Don't you just hate that one phase of puberty where the vengeful ghost of a burn victim possesses your body as a vehicle to murder your friends? Today's movies are A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, versus Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. It's me. Everyone. Welcome to another episode of Movie Deja Vu, a podcast that answers the question, didn't I see this somewhere? From two movie aficionados. I'm Shady, your friend who is a girl but is not your girlfriend, and with me is my co-host John, your drunk prom date. <laughs> Why am I drunk? <laughs> it's my favorite character in that movie. Is like, I drink. What's the problem? You have a drinking problem. I drink. I get drunk. So what's the problem? <laughs> oh my god. Oh, <laughs> so good. Love it. All right. So as we said in the intro, uh, today's movies, we're doing A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Uh, that came out in 1985, uh, written by David Chaskin with characters based off of Wes Craven's original A Nightmare on Elm Street and directed by Jack Shoulder. It has a Rotten Tomatoes score of a 43% splat and a Metacritic score of 43 out of 100, so exactly the same. Uh, and the breakdown for that, it is one positive review, three mixed reviews, and two negative reviews. Hmm. It's not a movie made for discerning audiences. It's a movie made for me. And me. <laughs> and you, dear listener. Um, and the IMDb summary is, a teenage boy is haunted in his dreams by deceased child murderer Freddy Krueger, who is out to possess him in order to continue his reign of terror in the real world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's what happens. Uh-huh. Um, uh, we're more concerned about the subtext, but yeah, that's the text. Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. And then our other movie is Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2, uh, which came out in 1987, only two years later. Written by Ron Oliver, directed by Bruce Pittman, with a Rotten Tomatoes score of 53% splat, and a Metacritic score of 48 out of 100. And that is out of five reviews, uh, two positive, one mixed, and two negative. So... Did you read the most positive review on there? It's from Variety. I just read the first line and it was like, it's the blue velvet of high school slasher movies. On Metacritic? Yeah. I don't That's have that one. I only have LA Times and Washington Post. Oh my goodness, I'm totally wrong. I meant LA Times. <laughs> <laughs> yep. My the, bad. The blue velvet of high school horror pictures. Yeah. Uh, by Kevin uh, Thomas, which is um, actually a pretty good description of it, I think. Uh, I'm, I'm going to... Oh, you, why don't you read the IMDb? Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, 30 years after her accidental death at her 1957 senior prom, the tortured spirit of prom queen Mary Lou Maloney returns to seek revenge. Now, before we get into the meat and potatoes of this episode, I'm going to say, if you haven't seen either of these movies stop this podcast right now mm -hmm. watch both of them yes 
they're both on Prime if you have it. Um, and just, you're welcome. <laughs> I, okay. I and adore you, these movies. And if you did that, well, welcome back now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Glad you enjoyed them. I know you enjoyed those movies that we just forced you to watch. <laughs> so... Let's just start with the most obvious thing from the title alone. These are both sequels. Yes. <laughs> um, but there's also a difference in that one of them was not meant to be a sequel at all. And yes. it shows it has absolutely nothing to... Pro- Mary Lou has nothing to do with the original Prom Night. Except yes. that they're both slasher movies. It just... It, it, it felt like a lot of horror movies in the 80s where they're like, crap, we need to make this a franchise. Here's this one horror movie script. Let's, you know, rewrite some things and be like, sequel. Yeah. (laughs) And if you've never seen the original Prom Night, um, it's not a terrible movie if you really like slasher movies. It's really nothing special. It's very basic. It's just like a normal killer who's just a normal human is seeking vengeance for something that happened years ago. This one, it's like straight up a ghost, and the deaths are insane. Oh, it's so good. I love it. Um, but they so have good. nothing to do with each other. Um, whereas you, you could also say the same thing about Freddy's Revenge yeah. in a way. Yeah, you could. There's references to the first movie, specific characters. Right, but it's the one that is out of it, it's out of left field. It has yeah. nothing nothing to do with the rest of the series. Yeah, the next movies in the franchise don't follow up on the rules that this one sort of rewrites. Right. And uh, whenever they do like their montages, you know, recap of the whole franchise, this one rarely shows up at all. You see either the tongue or the fight scene between what's her butt and Freddy. (laughs) Kim? Yeah. Kim. Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep and Freddy. <laughs> um, but there are references, at least, to, like, Nancy Thompson and events of the first movie. Whereas in Prom Night 2, they're apparently the same high school, but nobody mentions that, you know, seven years earlier, there was a similar spree of murders. Shh, it's totally fine. <laughs> it's totally fine. We start in the 50s. Um, yeah. let, why don't we break down Bare Bones plot? Yeah. Do you want to do it? Sure. Huh. I've got five points, basically. Okay. Um, main character gets possessed by a vengeful sp- spirit. Duh. Um, main character kills a bunch of people. Possessed spirit breaks out of host's body. Main character is freed by the spirit after its demise. And then main character may or may not be dead at the end of the movie. Mm -hmm. I'll add one more similarity that they may or may not be dead inside a moving vehicle. Oh. Oh. Yeah. (laughs) And with with their love interest as well. Their love, quote unquote, interest. Because, you know, you've got the, the bus bookend in Freddy's Revenge, and you have Bill, a possessed Bill, riding off with Vicky and Craig. Right. So in both movies, you have the suggestion that the ghost has taken over driving this vehicle that they end up in. 
but one is a dream and the other one is reality question mark they never follow up on it that whole ending <laughs> is such a mind fuck that i'm like i have no idea there is um, no way to really know what happens in that movie no. there's no way of knowing okay so i know we're talking about possessions and stuff yeah shady mm-hmm. i have two major questions about these movies and i'm <laughs> so excited to finally ask them to you about those okay for freddie's revenge when freddie murders coach schneider and what's his name rob ron, ron i think ron ron yeah the the, the gay scene the gayer <laughs> scene Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ron Grady. Do the victims see Jesse or do they see Freddy? I have no clue. I don't know. What do you think? I think they see Freddy. Okay. But I think um, any other human who would stumble upon it later to check out the murder scene would only see evidence of Jesse. But I don't know how that would work at all. It's just. Um, it's one of those times where you just have to go, it's a movie. Which might be the answer to the next question. Okay. And hello, Mary Lou. The Vicky that Mary Lou technically possesses, that's like a copy of Vicky, right? I genuinely can't tell you. I don't know. You're doing great. <laughs> because she like creates this she pulls vicky into this alternate dimension i guess this ghost dimension which is actually pretty creepy i like those scenes a lot whenever they show that right so this vicky body that is possessed by mary lou comes out of that dimension and into what is you know the real world but then she like peels it off at the end when she finally gets her prom queen crown she gets Mm -hmm. shot and then she like rips herself out of her body. Right. And then so Craig... supposedly her body is destroyed now. And so and technically so is Jesse's twice over. That's true. But uh Craig pulls her out of that trunk. Mm-hmm. The magic so costume where... trunk. Yeah, so that's where I was a little confused. Yeah, I know I, I have I know, no clue. I know we're veering off our our, our topic, but like I just no, had to ask you these because, like, both of them, I'm just like, well, they're, the human body is destroyed, technically, mm-hmm. in both cases. But, like, is one not really? But Like, like is it Freddy shape-shifting? Yeah. And it, it's only Freddy's personality that's destroyed. And so, like, maybe technically... He didn't burn, but he destroyed that personality. I mean, I know it's, I know Freddy is like a metaphor for homosexuality. <laughs> I know that. Right. And we're going to get to that. Well, but like, is it because the, the power of heterosexual love saved him? Like, <laughs> my see, personal... and I'm using, I'm using saved loosely. Right. My personal interpretation, and this is only so I don't get mad at the movie for being homophobic, is that it represents his friend Kim accepting him for who he is and becoming remaining his best friend, even though he's not interested in her romantically. And, and that weird. saves him. And Beard. 
and beard. <laughs> and that and, emotional support through a very rough time, especially in the 80s, uh, helps him survive. And then I like to imagine that they move to, you know, New York and live in the village and she gets to be his hag forever. So then can we read as deep into Hello Mary Lou saying that Vicky is sexually awakened after Mary Lou's spirit leaves her body? I, yeah, I think that's definitely an accidental theme at the very least, if not on purpose. But Vicky is, you know, this virginal, she has very strict parents and she's not really supposed to be dating and she's not supposed to wear like this very not provocative dress. It's like a totally fine dress, but her mother like forbids it. Mm, her mom. And then, she's, on, she's on par with Aunt Martha, but. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Actually, no. The rocking horse is on par with Aunt Martha. <laughs> I love that rocking horse. It makes no sense. It comes out of nowhere. It never really fully comes back, and I love it. Yeah. It's great. I, it's Aunt Martha. It's the Aunt Martha of the movie. A absolutely. Except, except we don't have any issues with it. Well, no. <laughs> I do have issues with it because it's kind of nightmarish, but that's the right. point. Right. It's just scary. It's not also abusive. <laughs> but yeah, I think, and that's another similarity that we're also touching upon, that both the possessions are a metaphor. Right. Because Mary Lou Maloney, she dies originally because she was at her prom with her boyfriend but she was caught making out with some other guy and it's, you know, stated that she's been sleeping around the whole time that they've been dating and everything. So as revenge, he throws a cherry bomb at her when she gets crowned prom queen. Stink bomb. Stink bomb. There you go. And it lights her on fire. And like, I guess in the 1950s, they were still wearing super flammable clothing because she just goes straight up in flame. That was a good effect, I have to say. An incredible effect. Um, this movie, I think, is genuinely worth watching, at least the prologue, just to get that effect. Uh, watch the whole goddamn movie, goddammit. Yeah. Uh, let's keep on the metaphor train. Okay. Um, because we've got homosexual homosexuality throughout both of them, in a way. Yes, um, it's obviously a major theme in one of them and just kind of a minor thing in the other. But it does appear. I think, I think in Hello, Mary Lou, the homosexuality appears between Mary Lou and Monica. Yeah. And that is just a representation of like the repressed sexuality in the 50s. Yeah. As well as Mary Lou herself is a representation of that. Right. And I would also argue that it's not necessarily homosexual, it's bisexual subtext. Well, I was I was getting I was getting oh, okay. there. All right, that sorry. um the Mary Lou Vicky person, who mm -hmm. whomever this actually is, is just a sexual being. Right. You she know, makes she's... out with Vicky's father as Vicky. Like she'll just make out with anyone. Yes. So, and I think that was also of the time where, like, you were having, we were having AIDS epidemic for both of these movies. Right. Um, and 
I think I don't I don't know if this is the right way to say this, but it was kind of like also a sexual awakening for women during that time where in society it wasn't frowned upon for women to be like explicit in their sexuality. I mean, it, um, it always I would disagree a little bit only to say that I think in the 60s and 70s during the women's lib movement of that time. Um, women were speaking more about being openly sexual and things like that. And then in the 80s with the Reagan administration, there was sort of this conservative backlash against it a bit. But then I think I was more so saying it in like the late 80s. Um, but I, I guess they were trying to be like, hey, women are sexual creatures too. Let's let them, <laughs> let's not slut shame them. Right. But I, I just wonder, like, it still does demonize Mary Lou. I mean, she is a horrible human in a lot of ways, but it demonizes her particularly for her sexuality. So I don't know mm-hmm. how much of it is pro-women's sexuality and how much of it is a reaction against it or how much of it is just, we don't really give a shit either way. We just know people treat women this way. I think with my 2020 brain, (laughs) I watched it as, yes, I saw the demonizing of it, but I was also seeing the, like, liberation in a way. Right. I think it was... I don't know. I could be totally wrong. (laughs) I think it was, like, both against, like, the complete promiscuity of Mary Lou and also against the tightened-up, hyper-religious, conservative uh, values of Vicky's parents. Like, I think it was sort of, um, a, like, a simultaneous uh, criticism of both of those outlooks. You, you mean I read too deeply into this movie? Oh, damn. I tend <laughs> to do that. Um, okay. So... Enough about homosexuality for, for, for these. We're done. <laughs> We're done with that. Let's get back on topic. And, oh, I didn't mention this in the plot breakdown. It's the final girl that is possessed. Yes. I mean, I use the final girl as right. a term that is used in movies. I know Jesse's a male character. Right. But, like... Functionally, he's the final girl. Yes. He just happens to be a male version. Although arguably you can say Lisa is also a final girl because she's the one that like does the research. And that's usually like what the final girl does. Right. She's also the one who actually defeats Freddy. With the power of, with heterosexuality. (laughs) With the power of friendship and supporting her gay friend. I'm rewriting it. And love. Um, (laughs) I don't know where to go next. You want you want to talk about the body count because that's yeah. I mean they're both so they're both clearly horror horror slasher movies, right? And yes, I'm calling Mary Lou slasher movie even though it's like paranormal slasher. I mean they're both paranormal, but they're they follow the same formula as a slasher movie. It's just that the killer is a ghost. Yeah, I think. I'm using, and please note, I'm saying think. Hmm. I think there are six characters that die in Hello, Mary Lou. (laughs) Well, it's the ambiguous ending on both of of these films that I'm like, how do I count the body count? (laughs) Well, let's go through who we know is dead. Oh, God. Okay, so um, Mary Lou dies. Done. Yeah. We got that one. We have Jess... That's the friend with the hair. The friend with the hair that's also pregnant. She's pregnant. She's pregnant and she dies. That's cruel. Yes. 
Hey everyone, Shady checking in. While editing this episode, I realized that it sounds like I say it's cool, C-O-O-L, when a pregnant teenager dies, and I wanted to clarify that I said cruel, C-R-U-E-L. I don't think it's cool when pregnant ladies die, and especially pregnant teenagers, so please don't think I'm a monster. Um... (laughs) Okay, enjoy the rest of the episode. Bye. Uh, Father Cooper, you know, the bad boy that Mary Lou hooked up with at her prom? I love that the little fuck boy that she was fucking around with ends up becoming a priest. That's so fucking funny. Then we have Monica. Mm, Followed. Squished in a locker. Followed by the electrocution of Josh. And then. Kelly gets impaled by a light, but it's not... I was reading about it. So this is where it gets a little hazy. Technically, we don't know if she is dead. Right. It's assumed, but there's no, like, shot of her being dead. There's no confirmation of it. And then there's the whole discussion we had about uh, Vicky, because Vicky gets shot and Mary Lou comes out of her, so... Is Vicky dead? <laughs> and then this is all a dream? Oh, this is Craig's dying dream. Maybe that's what the whole final 10 minutes or so of the movie is. Is this like, is, is this whole thing a dream? A dream sequence? <laughs> <laughs> it definitely, um, it leans into dream logic a lot, which I don't really have a problem with. It just makes it very difficult to talk about what happens. Yeah, so... What did I say? I think that's five people there. With, yes. And then obviously the ambiguous ending with Craig, Bill, and Vicky in a car. Right. Where God only knows what's going to happen to those three. Right. Um, and then with Freddy's revenge, we for sure have Coach Schneider in the shower <laughs> with, with, the, with the towels. He gets spanked to death. Kinky. And uh, Ron. Mm-hmm. And then I actually slowed down and rewatched multiple times the pool sequence. And I counted four to six. Yeah, I, I, think there, I think there were four victims that he actually slashed. Or there was, there was a few victims that he actually... That Freddie actually attacked. Right. And there and were then, some that may have gotten crushed in the chaos. Some got crushed in the chaos, and then one got burned after falling over a fence. I think. <laughs> I do like the way that they sort of create this motif for Freddie of, like, fire and heat in this movie, which sort of pops up in the first movie a little bit because he, you know, exists in a boiler room. And that's how he died was in a fire. But I love that, like, they make that, like, his calling card in this movie. They're like, oh, oh shit, the temperature's going up. Oh, yeah. And if, if I turn the page, I see the boiler room, Freddy dies. And then we have Carrie dying, question mark? Yeah. <laughs> and also, question mark, Lisa and Jesse. Lisa and Jesse. And then also the two random girls in the beginning. I think the they're first sequence. Yeah, I think they're alive. I think that was purely a dream sequence. That those are just that's just Jesse making up two people. Yeah, I think so. Gotcha. Well, 
And that's a big that's a big similarity where we we're unsure about the body count. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's indecipherable. I think that's it for similarities that I really have. I have like minor ones, but like they really don't count. Yeah, really I mean if you want to get into like further details, there is, you know, going back to the repressed sexuality theme, there are like the parent who is the same gender as the main character who is dealing with the repressed sexuality is like really kind of could explain a lot of why they're so repressed. Um, Jesse's father is very into him being a man. And Ironically, he, he's very 1950s. <laughs> he is. And then uh, Vicky's mother is the super strict one, and her father seems to be a little bit more of the... He wants to let her get away with things, but, you know, he kowtows to the mother. He has a reverse Oedipus complex where he wants to do his daughter. uh, uh Uh-huh. He did not seem to mind that kiss. Nope. It's um, honestly the scariest thing in either of these movies. Yes. So I've got... Differences. Hooray. Okay, let's differences. get into it. Um, for starters, Freddie only possesses Jesse. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Lou possesses both Vicky and Bill, which right. we've talked about at nauseum. Right. Um, well, even we, going back to Jess's death real quick, she didn't possess anybody. She was just sort of an invisible force. Who? Um, Jess, the friend with the hair and the pregnancy. I was more so just talking about the possession cases. Okay. Yeah, I just mean like uh, that's another difference. Freddie needs to possess Jesse to kill people in the real world. Mary Lou seems to be able to do it just fine. She just wants to possess somebody so that she could be prom queen. <laughs> well, I, I think it's because Vicky stumbles upon her trunk and that's what happens. Right. I just don't know how she was able to kill Jess without having a body. Magic. Um, Here's one that I found hilarious. Product placement. Nightmare on Elm Street is a Coke movie. And Hello, Mary Lou is a Pepsi movie. Wow. So we've got Coke versus Pepsi going on. Amazing. I'm sorry. I just had to say that because it was (laughs) hilarious. I love, I did not notice that, but you're right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I touched upon this earlier, but I want to uh, explain it even further. So, Jesse, Freddy, whichever, whomever is actually doing the killings, right, um, relies on practical means to kill the people. So, like, Freddy uses his claw. Um, yeah, there's that whole pool party sequence but like who knows what really happened right because we're because i'm not sure if like what's going on (laughs) (laughs) i I, i'm trying to look at it critically and i'm like is this a mass dream sequence or is Mm -hmm. it really happening it's unknowable purely unknowable but vicky mary lou uh, use psychic abilities to kill people. Yes, she also uses practical means, but um, we have Mary Lou, like you mentioned, killing Jess out of uh, fun. 
Um, you have Monica. Oh, no, she kills Jess because didn't Jess like pull a stone off of the prom queen crown? So like right, she killed but, like, her for that. As a astral figure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not as not not possessing Vicky. Right. Okay. Um, and then you, you have like Monica being crushed in the lockers, which she's like turned into pink foam. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and then, you know, you have Vicky, um, Vicky Mary Lou. Did she touch a wire that then electrocuted that guy? That's what happened, right? Yeah. It's been a while since I watched this movie, but yeah. She causes the computer he's on to fix the prom queen vote. She causes that to electrocute him to death. Somehow. Uh, so, like, yeah. We've got... Those are, <laughs> Oh, they're so good. And um, even if you want to count Kelly's death, even that was she, like, sort of telepathically makes the lighting fixture fall, and it happens to impale her. But that's almost more of a carry thing than any slasher type of thing. Yeah, that's another similarity that I guess we could, that we have been dancing around. The whole chaotic scene, epic climactic scene that happens in both of them. Mm-hmm. We're not 100% sure what exactly is happening. Like, right. I know when we're in a movie, <laughs> what we're seeing is, is the facts. But, like, obviously Nightmare on Elm Street deals with whole dream sequences and stuff like that. And right. Hello, Mary Lou is introducing this fantastical element to it. So, like who says that what happens at the prom and at the pool party is actually what's happening at the prom and at the pool party. Right. Like the question I posed to you earlier, is it actually Jesse doing this and it's supposed to be like a personality coming out or is it really um, Freddie? Yeah. I, I, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're, we're, we're giving these movie, these eighties movies way too much depth and context I right. feel like I think we could maybe just shorten the explanation for this as another similarity they were clearly both made off the power of cocaine yeah <laughs> that's the power of cocaine <laughs> oh and then another difference is the I'm going to use this term loosely okay. feel free to fight me on it the prologues of each movie are different. Yeah. So, like, you have an entire prologue in Hello, Mary Lou, which is... Right, we get Mary, Mary Lou's backstory. Backstory right. and her demise. Mm-hmm. And then the prologue in Nightmare on Elm Street is A, shorter, and B, it's just an introduction of Freddie to Jesse and vice right. versa. Yeah. Oh, that's, I guess, another difference, too, is we don't really get Freddie's backstory, and we do spend a lot of time, like you said, with Mary Lou's, but... Well, so, that's the, th- that's the thing. Because this one was a planned sequel, I right. think they are relying on the fact that fans of the first one came to see this one. Right. So they know Freddy's story thus far, which, you know. <laughs> well, 
we're trying, we're dancing around the topic, but we'll get uh, to that at well, a later episode. <laughs> do we do we want to just do a quick comparison uh, without getting too in depth with Freddie, but a quick comparison of their sort of motivations and backstories? Because I find Mary Lou in her death to be much more tragic because, yeah, she was a bitch and she was horrible to everybody, but she wasn't, you know, somebody who deserved to be burned to death like that. No. But also her motivation is ultimately extremely petty. She only wants to kill all these people and come back to the living dimension so that she could be prom queen. Yeah. Um, yeah, we- whereas Freddie was actually a bad person. He was already a serial killer in life, a serial child killer in life, which is how, why he was killed. And rapist? And rapist. Question mark, uh, asterisk. Asterisk. We'll get back yeah. to that. <laughs> implied. It's implied, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, so his ultimate goal is, you know, much bigger in scope where he's like, I'm going to kill all of the children in this town and I'm going to, you know, try to figure out how to use this kid to do it. I have to say, controversial opinion here. This is my favorite performance from Robert England as Freddy Krueger. Nope, I get it. I totally get it. I think he is the scariest. He's the most menacing in this one. He really, this is where like he really toys with Jesse a lot and it's really creepy to like a cool effect. You've got the body. I've got the brain. to switch gears on you like that's a that's a great point you just made another difference i found between the two of them the victims themselves so oh yeah it's mostly men that die in nightmare on elm street and then mary lou does kill some men but it's mostly women that die in that movie yeah so it it is there's also sort of it might tie into, you know, lusting after certain men when it comes to Freddy's revenge. And then right. Mary Lou, it's killing off the competition. So they're also coming from different emotions. Ooh. I just thought of that right now. Look at you. We give these movies too much credit. Entirely too much. I think we've talked all the points I wrote down. Yeah. Did you have anything extra you wanted to add? No. We filled the, the Venn diagram as best <laughs> as we could. <laughs> a lot of them were just, were just me being like, I need therapy session. <laughs> yeah, if I wanted to, I could get into why they're both alike, because I love them, but they're bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which is another thing they share in common. Um, <laughs> Tell you a story about a Mary Lou. I mean the kind of a woman make a fool of you. Let's get into special features. If this is your first time listening to the pod, or if you just need a quick refresher, we each take a movie before we actually record, um, and we do further research on it in the hopes of nerding out and surprising each other and hopefully surprising you. I had nightmare on Elm Street. (laughs) <laughs> Two, Freddy's Revenge. And since that came first, right. I'm talking first, nanny nanny boo boo. Well, 
you're the boy. You took the boy movie, Freddy's Revenge. I didn't mean to do it that way. <laughs> I love that you did it that way. I want to do the girl one. <laughs> so there was a documentary about this movie specifically called Scream Queen, My Nightmare on Elm Street, which oh. I know you've watched, and yeah. I watched it just for this episode. Um, and it's I'm really hope- good. Yeah, and dear listener, you should also watch it because Mark Patton, the guy who plays Jesse, uh, it's all about him, how he came to terms with being in this movie, and how the writer David Chaskin is an asshole. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also a terrifying portrait of just um, how difficult it was to be openly gay, specifically in the 1980s. Yes. Like yeah, was- and they, they talk about that ad nauseum. Yeah. So, uh, and they talk about the gay subtext in the film where no one allegedly knew that there was the gay subtext um, mm. or it took them a while to realize that there was one. Uh, Jack Jack Shoulder was like, was cis white man being like, I had no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also read that, speaking of the script and everything, Heather Langenkamp, who plays Nancy, Nancy in the first movie, was not even a, it wasn't even in their thoughts to um, have her come back. Mm. I know. David mm. Chaskin's script proved that it would be nonsensical to bring back Nancy. Mm. Oh. I know. Mm. I mean, she comes back in the third one, and it's great, so whatever. Yeah, we it get her back. Out. Yeah. Um, okay, so the next two are from IMDb specifically. Okay. The film was extremely well-received in Europe, as residents of those countries caught and loved the sexual overtones. (laughs) This this overseas popularity is what convinced producers that they had a profitable franchise on their hands. So thank you, Worldwide Gross, for giving us the rest of the franchise. (laughs) Yes. I I just get sad thinking about a world without... A Nightmare on Elm Street 3 or, yeah. you know, New Nightmare. Uh, Wes Craven refused to work on this film because he never wanted nor intended to have A Nightmare on Elm Street become an ongoing franchise or and even wanted the first film to have a happy ending. He also didn't like the idea of Freddy manipulating the protagonist into committing the murders. So hmm. I just found that interesting. Don't know if that's still true or not. Or what the source is that this person on IMDb f- found this on, but like it makes sense that you know he. I don't even think he was credited as a producer on this film. Mm, I don't it, think he was either. They just gave him the writing credit because of Freddie, and they mentioned Nancy, and it's set in the house. So yeah, so yeah, that's really all I found. <laughs> to be totally honest, I mean, there's there's. There were buttloads of other information about like specific things, but that's that was too much for me. <laughs> yeah. All right, I'm gonna pass the ball to Shady. Woo. Shady, let's go to prom. All right, well, let's because this ties right back into a nightmare on Elm Street. Um, 
as you have mentioned, Wes Craven wrote and directed the first one and uh, is the creator of Freddy Krueger. Um, Ron Oliver directing Hello, Mary Lou, it was his first time directing any movie. He called Wes Craven for advice um, on directing a teen horror film. Oh, sorry, uh, let me rephrase that. Ron Oliver was not the director. He was directing the reshoots. Gotcha. Sorry, I misread my own note. <laughs> a lot of this movie was reshot because it wasn't deemed scary enough on first cut. <laughs> uh, Wes Craven's advice to him was give them a scare, give them a hard on, send them home. Oh, um, okay. You know, solid advice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, from the master. Also sort of related, uh, almost every character in the film shares a last name with a cult film director, especially from horror, uh, such as Wes Craven, Stephen King, George A. Romero, Todd Browning, Joe Dante, John Car Carpenter, John Waters, and Frank Henenwater. Can I just say, we're going to be doing other horror movies on this, and yeah. we've, I've already done research on them. That seems like a common theme. <laughs> That happens so often in horror. Although, I don't know. I, I don't want to say this, but I do want to say this. I don't know if this is the first one that did it. I'm sure it wasn't. I don't think it was because it's so late in the 80s. But because it was also in the 80s, I think it may have been. I think it may have been. So, I don't know. Uh, producer Peter Simpson was unhappy with director Bruce Pittman's original cut, feeling it wasn't scary enough. Simpson ordered around one-third of the movie to be reshot under the direction of screenwriter Ron Oliver. That's, I misspoke before and said he was the director. Um, the reshoots primarily dealt with horror scenes, such as Vicky's interactions with the demonic rocking horse. Yeah. And the intention was to up the scare factor. Yeah, that, that definitely felt like it was from a different movie. <laughs> Absolutely. It makes no sense, but it's pretty fucking it's, creepy. And highly welcomed. Yes, yes, yes. And then one final thing. Uh, if uh, Wendy and, or sorry, if Vicki Carpenter, the main character, and Kelly Henenlotter, her rival for prom queen, if they sound familiar to you and you watched Sailor Moon, it's because Terry Hawks, who played Kelly, was the voice of Sailor Moon in the American not version. in the American uh, dubbed version. And then Wendy Lyon was the voice of Queen Selenity. Huh? What's going on here? How come you know my name? <gasps> Are you for real? Oh, Serena, you haven't changed at all. Still asking a million questions, just as curious as a kitten. The competition seems to be dwindling. You two should take the hint from Jess. You shut your fucking mouth, bitch! Wow. Yeah. Look at so, them having a career after this shitty movie. I remember. That's awesome. I know. I saw that and I so much just clicked into me because the whole time watching this movie, I was like, Kelly sounds so familiar. Why does she sound familiar? And then I was I mean, like, oh, because she's Serena. He is Dixie Mask. I don't believe it. Because it's the American version. So we call her Serena instead of Usagi. <laughs> I loved Sailor Moon, so I was excited to read about that. So final thoughts. Final thoughts. All right. Uh, John. Yes. Can you think of any other movies like these? 
I want to say The Exorcist, but it doesn't really have that much of like a grasp. I mean, the possession theme is throughout time. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we're Demon possession about, is a major thing. Right. It's features in most major religions, as far as I know. Right. And, you know, The Exorcist made it popular, I'm going to say. Hot take. And then we've had, like, the Conjuring movies and their franchise. Mm-hmm. I want to say those, but I also don't want to say them because they're not really the same as these ones. They don't follow the slasher formula, so yes. they're similar themes, similar styles, but a different subgenre. Yeah, they go into more of the paranormal possession genre. Right. right. Like these are paranormal movies, but they are slashers first and foremost. Those are paranormal movies first and foremost. Right. I would also maybe toss in something like Carrie, which deals with similar themes of repressed sexuality, especially during mm, high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, if we wanted to list every horror movie that deals with repression of anything, we would be here all day. Please don't. We only have so much time. Right. <laughs> but I couldn't think of any other movies that shared as much in common as these two. Even within like their respective genre, uh, their respective franchises. Right. There is one other movie with Mary Lou in it, Prom Night 3, but it's like, Mary Lou is very different. It feels like it's not the same character. They bring back Mary Lou in Prom Night 3? I guess mm-hmm. I need to watch that movie. It's not good. It's not nearly as good as Prom Night 2. I mean, is Prom Night 2 actually good? <laughs> yes! How dare you? <laughs> Alright, so with the next question, I did yeah. like I did <laughs> like this movie. I did like both of them, really. Um, I love both of these movies, personally. I like them for different reasons. Prom Night 2 is like the bad good movie. <laughs> and uh, Nightmare on Elm Street 2 I liked it because of the subtext. I'm going to say it, Mm -hmm. really. Yeah. No, I think there is... I think a lot of my like for for Freddy's Revenge is because it has such a low reputation within the fandom of the whole franchise. Yeah. And it kind of makes me defensive of it because I actually think it's one of the better ones. It's certainly not the worst. It introduced new rules for Freddy, and I really enjoyed that. I'm not going to lie. And like I was saying earlier, I think he's really creepy in this one. You are all my children now. The you've got the body, I've got the brain is super creepy. Um, Robert Englund did a rap song with Will Smith and DJ Jesse Jeff, uh, and he uses that line in it. I said, yo, Fred, I think you got me all wrong. I ain't partners with nobody with nails that long. Uh, would we watch them again? A fucking course we will. Duh. And of course we recommended you to watch them at the beginning. So right. yeah, we're going to recommend, we're going to recommend you to recommend it to five people. Re- yes. And honestly, <laughs> at like, least. <laughs> I do think both of these movies are better than their reputations would say. Watch them with an open mind. Oh Yeah. And then finally, are they actually the same? Why don't you go first? Because I want to. Th- I want to mull it over for a second. Yes, I think they are the same. They are just dealing with variations of the same theme. 
because of the, you know, gender swap in the killer and the final girl, quote unquote, characters. But I do think they are ultimately saying the same thing in a very similar way. Yeah, I think we had a lot more similarities than differences. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to say yes as well. It's kind of like one of them is the pink movie and one of them's the, well, there's not a whole lot of blue in Nightmare on Elm Street. One's the girl movie, one's the boy movie. The fuchsia, we're going to call it fuchsia. (laughs) One's the baby pink and one's the fuchsia. Mm, Yes. (laughs) I guess there's a lot of red. (laughs) So one's pink and one's red and red is for boys. Oh, God. That's a conversation that we're going to have. And if you want to be part of that conversation, you can reach me at John underscore watches underscore movies. Um, That's John with no H. Uh, Or you can just look me up at Movies John. And uh, you can find me at Cookie O'Shady, C-O-O-K-I-E-O-S-H-A-D-Y. Yeah, those are on twatter by the way uh you can also email us at movie deja vu pod at gmail.com shady how do you spell that you spell that m-o-v-i-e-d-e-j-a-v-u-p-o-d at gmail.com please know how to spell gmail already (laughs) uh on on instagram or ig you were (laughs) <laughs> We're also at Movie Deja Vu Pod. And on Twitter, we change it up on you because we're Movie Deja Vu. No pod. No pod. Oh, I'm sorry. We're at Movie Deja Vu. I forgot the at, whatever. Um, eh. If you want to weigh in on, your discuss- on our discussion for today, you can write mm-hmm. to us, contact and- us in any of those. If you're going to say that our opinions are bad and both of these movies are bad, then we don't want to hear it. We'll, we'll read it and then we'll put it in a folder of bad people, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it. Straighten the trash. Um, no, just kidding. No, we love, we love your opinions. Everyone yeah. should have an opinion, even though it's wrong. Uh- <laughs> these movies wouldn't be fun if they weren't as widely hated as they are. And if you have an idea for a future episode, please contact us in any way, shape, or form. You know, slide into our DMs. I think that's what the kids are saying. Uh-huh. <laughs> are the kids? Uh, are, are, the kids are still sliding. Yeah. We're slipping sliding. <laughs> we're, we're old. We old. <laughs> Shady, hand me my walker. I think it's time to walk on out of this. Let's do it. Hey, hello, Mary Lou. Goodbye, heart, sweet Mary Lou. I'm so in love with you. I knew Mary Lou. We never part.